0: Well, I've thought for some time that there's something slightly impertinent about Martha's complaint in the gospel, uh, but I have to admit I've been kind of ashamed to, to admit this um, because it, it was usually used against me as a contemplative that uh, I just didn't understand what it was like to work. Uh, but I guess my concern goes something like this. A good hostess would normally not want her guests uh, to feel like they're an overwhelming burden. Part of the art of hospitality is to make guests feel like uh, it's, it's good to have them around and not uh, taxing. But to say, you know, I've got a lot of work to do is basically to say, um, I'd, I'd prefer if you could maybe come a little later or something like, like that, that you weren't here now. Abraham demonstrates for us that the duties of hospitality can be quite steep sometimes, so I'm, I'm not trying to minimize that in any way. But it's not exactly gracious to point that out to the guests uh, in in some overt way. In fact, it's always sounded to me like a sideways rebuke of the Lord himself. uh, Because what Martha is saying, in essence, is that her work is more important than his conversation with Mary. Uh, This September, a couple months from now, I'm going to be interviewed a second time on Relevant Radio. And the topic will be prayer this time. And one question, I know the questions I'm going to get already, so I have plenty of time to prepare, I guess. Uh, This is a question I often get outside of radio interviews. What advice do you give people today who want to pray, but in our hectic world can't find the time? And unfortunately, I haven't found a really good answer for this, because oftentimes the person who asks this question, after a little bit of probing, uh, we discover that, The person doesn't really want to pray. And the the hectic pace of modern life is a kind of an excuse for it. Work is a noble-sounding excuse for not praying. Uh, Many of us, and and not all, I realize, and certainly this may not apply to many people who are here, uh, but many modern people have times for all kinds of activities. Uh, The average American, again I realize that this probably doesn't count most of us here, Watches four hours of television every day. Now imagine if each of those persons dropped one hour of television and prayed every day. Each morning at vigils, we pray Psalm 94. This psalm ends with God swearing in his anger, Never shall they enter into my rest. It's a poignant moment, and it's a key psalm that St. Benedict makes us pray every day. Uh, This is a moment in salvation history, a little bit of background. In the Exodus, God came down to his people and rescued them from grueling servitude, hard, hard slave labor, real work, at the hands of pitiless Egyptian slave drivers. He rescued them and promised to lead them to the restful enjoyment of a land flowing with milk and honey, with cities they didn't have to build, in contrast to the cities that they built for Pharaoh and didn't get to live in. They hardly had to work for any of their food. It falls down out of the sky. And yet, of course, being human, being like us, uh, they find things to complain about. And when God says that they will not enter into his rest, it's, it's not so much a punishment as an acknowledgement that for whatever reason there's something in us that resists this rest. We don't really want it. The contrast with grumbling, that's, that's what this uh, psalm is about, the complaining or grumbling. The, the opposite of this is gratitude, thanksgiving or if we would like to use the Greek word, the opposite of complaining is Eucharist, being fed by the word of God and the bread of heaven. Words we did not labor to write, bread that we've done little to procure. The letter to the Hebrews makes much of the fact that the presence of Jesus Christ in the flesh, this breaking down of the dividing wall between God and humanity means that finally we really can enter into God's rest. There's nothing stopping us at this point. This rest was something that the ancient world really pined for, uh, and only the very, very few ever tasted. Part of the genius of the Mosaic Law was its insistence that even slaves get one day a week without work, one day to rest. And the rest that we're talking about is not merely collapse after being brutalized by by servitude. Uh, It was, to use Aristotle's words, contemplation. Or in the words of the book of Syrac, rest is about meditating on the words of the Most High. This rest, this Sabbath, is recreative, it is restorative, generative, creative. This is what we're really aiming for. This is what we're made for. Enjoyment of our work. Enjoyment of each other. Enjoyment of God. To be at rest and to not have to worry anymore. Or at least for a time. This Sabbath rest, in theory, is available to all of us whose food is the will of the Father. Any of us who would take the time to sit at the feet of the Lord. It's not just restricted to us in the cloister. And, of course, this doesn't mean that there's no work to be done, but that work is not the end. The the end of work is to provide for enjoyment. That work finally finds its full human measure and meaning in the Sabbath, in our rest with each other and with God. So there's a very serious sense in which leisure actually comes first, in the sense that the final cause, the goal, comes first. And this idea of leisure, I I need to emphasize, is different than entertainment. In Psalm 1, King David contrasts two ways, the way of the wicked and the way of the just. Uh, We hear a a similar kind of theme in the psalm that we heard today and the response. Uh, Both the way of the just and the way of the wicked end in a kind of fixity or apparent restful state, as it were. But the wicked way degenerates from walking in the paths of the wicked to lingering in the way of sinners to sitting in the company of scorners. Uh, I was thinking... uh, this is my experience of a lot of social media today, sort of sitting at my keyboard in the company of scorners who are always finding something wrong with the world. This is paralysis. This is not rest. The just one, by contrast, is also fixed, OK? But he or she is fixed by being rooted, planted, by flowing waters, irrigated by the word of God so that he or she blossoms and bears fruit and joys life. Entertainment does not provide us with the proper sense of rest uh, or recreation or leisure, and therefore it cannot make sense of work. It's, It's not a proper goal of work. True rest in the biblical sense of Sabbath, by contrast, orders our work in the proper way and helps us to find its correct measure. Uh, And so in in a workaholic culture as ours, perhaps instead of looking at work, we need to look more at our addiction to entertainment and the flighty state of mind that it cultivates in us in order to understand why many of us can't seem to stop working. And when we do, again, we just kind of collapse. Is prayer difficult for me or unrewarding because I expect it to entertain me? Is Martha's complaint driven by a previous lack of commitment to God's law? A failure to acknowledge with gratitude what God has already given me? And so in our Eucharist, our Thanksgiving today, where we enter into God's rest and we get a foretaste of what heaven really will be like, eternal rest, perhaps we can ask ourselves whether we take the time sufficiently to be grateful to God and listen to him, And let him provide for us. Or if I am trying to control everything by myself, and when I can't, I complain. And so today, when we hear God's voice, let us not harden our hearts. And let us not fault those who do take the time to sit at the Lord's feet. Rather, let us ourselves enter into his rest.